Howdy, y'all, and welcome to another episode of The Daily Grind. I'm your host, John Spencer, so grab a mug of your favorite brew and get ready to brew your brain as we give a rundown on today's dates and some interesting historical facts, and to sharpen your wit as I toss out some random musing and facts just to get your brain gears turning, and hopefully a time to enrich your faith as we talk about our walk with Jesus. And so once again this week, it's John and Carla bringing you Brew and Sharpen on the Daily Grind. Carla, glad you're with me this week. Hello, John, and hello, Daily Grind family. It is good to be here. And we'll get this show on the road. And now it's that time on the Daily Grind to brew your brain. It's Tuesday, September 5th. And on September 5th in 1774, the first Continental Congress assembled in Philadelphia, PA. Ooh, how exciting. And on this date in 1881, Michigan's Great Fire killed at least 125 people. And it was the first disaster that the American Red Cross assisted with. Oh, wow. I know, 1881, American Red Cross. Long time ago. On this date in 1914, Babe Ruth hit his first (laughs) professional home run. How about that? Tragically, on this date in 1972, 11 members of the Israeli Olympic team were assassinated in Munich, Germany. I remember. Yeah. Oh, terrible. And in 1975, Lynette Squeaky Frome attempted to assassinate. U.S. President Gerald Ford. Unsuccessfully. I remember that. I remember that too. Yeah. And on a much lighter note, September 5th is the birthday of several famous animated dogs. And mm-hmm. September 5th is Be Late for Something Day. <laughs> I know some people that are on it already. <laughs> yeah. But let's, yeah, it's just a one day thing. Right. So. <laughs> And how appropriate that. <laughs> and, and it's be late for something day is the day after Labor Day. You oh, know, try to go back to I work. See. You always yeah. go. Oh, I was just oh. observing <laughs> be late for something day. And it's cheese pizza day. Oh, okay. I'm in. Now it's that time on the Daily Grind to sharpen your wit. The movie Victoria. There's several movies like that, but this was a foreign one about a French person in Germany. But here's the amazing thing. The movie is over two hours, but it was filmed all in one take. What? <laughs> they they rehearsed. And when it came time to film, they filmed the one shot movie three times. And they used the third take as the release version. But it's filmed all in one take. How efficient. That's crazy. Wow. The average person has approximately one fallopian tube. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> That's weird. Um... <laughs> That's the problem with averages. I'm just saying. Right. <laughs> okay. <sighs> a brave new world was a phrase that was invented by William Shakespeare. Oh, I didn't realize that. Oh, he contributed so much to the English language. Yes. Crazy. Yes, he did. In, in the nursery rhyme, 
Humpty Dumpty, it never says that he was an egg. No, but all the pictures he is. All the pictures he is, but history really thinks that it may be referring to a big, fat, giant cannon that was used in the 17th century during the English Civil War. Oh, I'll have to, I'll have to study up on that one. Study up on the, okay. yeah, the etymology of that. Letting helium balloons fly off into the sky is just about the coolest way to litter. Yes. <laughs> oh, yes. Charlie, come down. <laughs> Charlie Chan was based on an actual real detective who was named Chang Apana. And he was a Hawaiian police officer and he carried a bullwhip instead <gasps> of a gun. Oh, and at one time he arrested 40 people single-handedly oh, with his bullwhip. Oh my goodness. How about that? And part of it goes, why is that not its own movie and show? Why I did know. you need to... It's amazing. I love snow. I hate snow. I love snow. I hate snow. I love snow. I hate snow. Carla, that is what a bipolar bear thinks. <laughs> <laughs> I guess so. (laughs) A man assaulted his neighbor with milk and cheese. How dare he? How dare he? Right. Oh, that's clever. And now it's that time on the Daily Grind to enrich your faith. In the Bible, there's a really fascinating story about Jesus and a woman from Cana, also maybe known as the Syrophoenician woman. Sadly, a lot of folks just twist this story, misunderstand it. They don't see what's going on. So I hope today in our podcast, we'll look at this encounter and see if we can learn something from the Syrophoenician woman. First, we'll take a look at the context, because that is what really matters, and then We'll see if this story has anything for us today. So the interaction between Jesus and the Canaanite woman is recorded both in Mark chapter 7, verses 24 through 30, and Matthew 15, verses 21 through 28. We'll be referring to both because they offer different insights into what happened. Now, right before this encounter, Jesus is dealing with the religious leaders and things are getting heated. The religious authorities are not happy with what Jesus is saying. So to find some peace, he heads out to the outskirts, nearly into enemy territory. But even there, he can't get away. People recognize him. And a Syrophoenician woman approaches him seeking help. See that in Mark 7, 25 through 26. And the exchange is just a few verses. But it probably took place over a couple of days. Now, it's important to note, this woman is not a Jew. In fact, She's a Phoenician by nationality. Phoenicia was in the Roman province of Syria, which is why we call her Syro-Phoenician. But ethnically, she's a Canaanite. So that means she's not just a non-Jew. She's from a group that has a long history of conflict with the Jews. So understanding this context is crucial to grasping the bigger picture of what unfolds. All right, we got the context. So now let's look at what transpired between Jesus and the Canaanite woman. Mark Moore puts it well in the chronological life of Jesus, explaining that Jesus wants the woman to understand that she can be a part of God's plan. 
She's not currently part of the kingdom, but that doesn't mean she's excluded. In this moment, Jesus is not only teaching this woman, but he's also instructing and teaching and demonstrating to the disciples. I mean, those guys struggled with the idea of outsiders becoming insiders. What Jesus is conveying to both her and to them is that the kingdom of God is for all people. She may not be an insider yet, but she has a place at the table. And the Canaanite woman doesn't give up. She persists and she approaches Jesus again, and this time kneeling and begging for her daughter's healing in Matthew 15, 25. It's a bold move. I mean, considering the cultural norms at this time, she is crossing boundaries. But it's because she is desperate. And Jesus responds with a seemingly, again, harsh, derogatory-sounding statement. Jesus says, It is not right to take the children's bread and toss it to the dogs. However, he's not being mean. He's really trying to help her understand who he is, and her own condition. And this kind of illustration was used by Jesus with Jews and others to highlight their sinful condition. Now, it's really important to note that in Jesus's day, Jews did not have a fondness for dogs. Didn't like them. To them, all dogs were considered unclean. In fact, they referred to the Gentiles as dogs. It was an insult. But on the other hand, Greeks loved dogs. In fact, they kept dogs as pets, especially little dogs, like lap dogs. And so when Jesus refers to her as a dog, he uses that Greek word, kunaria, and he is using a Greek perspective, not the Jewish one. And that's how this Greek woman interprets it. Her response demonstrates both humility and wisdom. Yes, it is, Lord, she said. Even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from the master's table. Matthew 15, 27. See, she doesn't challenge Jesus. She acknowledges the truth of what he just said. And her words reveal great faith. And she places herself at Jesus's mercy, fully aware that she doesn't deserve what she's asking for. And in response, Jesus affirms her faith and her persistence, and he heals her daughter in Matthew 15, 28. So Moore summarizes it like this. This woman's humility is impressive. So is her wit and persistence. She now understands that Jesus is her only hope and that she has a place in God's household. She's ready to receive God's blessing through Jesus, and he is delighted to give it. Well, let's shift gears, get to kind of a so what. What are some lessons that we can draw from this Canaanite woman's story that might be relevant to us? First of all, I think we all need to realize and can see that we are hopelessly lost. We often like to believe that we have everything figured out, but truth is we're more sinful than we'd like to admit. Just look at Romans 3.23. We're on a path leading to eternal death unless a savior intervenes. The Syrophoenician woman understood her desperate situation and recognized Jesus as her only hope. The core message of the gospel is that we're sinners in need of rescue. And Jesus is the rescuer. And when we acknowledge our hopeless condition, 
it makes Jesus's sacrifice all the more amazing. Second, we don't deserve God's grace. A lot of us carry kind of an entitlement mindset. We really maybe think we deserve God's favor somehow. I think we live in a participation trophy culture where we tend to think that we have a right to things, whether we earn them or not. We didn't earn God's grace. It's a gift. And this Canaanite woman, she grasped that truth. She knew she didn't deserve it, yet God gave her grace anyway. We need to let go of the idea that we're entitled to Jesus' sacrifice. We're not. He did it out of deep love for us. And understanding this really should deepen our appreciation of God's grace. And last, our problems should draw us to God. Unlike many of us who try to solve our problems on our own, I know I'm guilty of that at times. This Canaanite woman turned to Jesus in her time of need, even though she wasn't a Jew or a follower of Jesus. Our problems should lead us to God. He cares for us and he wants to help us. Instead of struggling in isolation, we should bring our challenges to him. So to wrap up, the encounter between Jesus and the Canaanite woman, oh my gosh, it remains just an amazing fascinating, powerful story, I think with valuable lessons for us today. When we examine it in its context, we can get rid of some of the misconceptions and I think learn a lot about how God cares for all his children. It's a compelling narrative and it should stay with us. I want to thank you for joining me on another episode of The Daily Grind. Look forward to seeing you tomorrow. Hey, drop me a comment. Give me some feedback. I uh, would love it if you'd click on that link. Let me know what you want to hear more of, less of. I'm in desperate need of weird things to say and sharpen your wit. And I would love people to help contribute some bad dad jokes or good dad jokes. Either way, thanks for joining me today. I hope you have a great Tuesday. Grace and peace to you in the name of our Lord Jesus.